Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a long-awaited episode of George Link Health Show. It's been a hot minute since we've done this, so we're just going to, as always, just jump right into the action. Um, first, we're going to be discussing this week's Serie A fixture, since Serie A is one of the few leagues that have already resumed. And we're going to start off with Lecce's 2-1 victory over Lazio. Yeah, so um, this was interesting because obviously Lazio had been on fire for, unfortunately, for the good part of the season. It seems like Sarri had kind of found his niche with the team. They're playing really well. They, they've been good defensively. They probably have the goalkeeper of the season so far. Um, Immobile was out for several weeks. They seem to kind of put things together, um, at least to a certain extent, um, in, in a way that maybe not a lot of people expected. They're in that top four position. Um, but as we know, it's not always um, as simple as that because they, they, they do have moments where they start really hot and then it's kind of like Napoli in past years. They just kind of wisp away once, once it kind of, kind of gets tough. Um, they, so they come into probably you could argue that they, the World Cup break happened at the worst possible time for them because um, they were flying. They spanked us. They, were, they had a lot of good momentum going for them. Uh, going into the break, and then the break hits. They come back, and it starts as you expect it would. Amobile is back. He scores a, a cheeky little goal to get Lazio on the front foot, um, and it just seemed like one of those games where it was going to be Lazio kind of cruising. But then Lecce, and this is just this is the most Lazio thing ever, dropping points to Lecce, Torino, teams like that. But they'll get great performances against Inter, against Roma, against Juventus, against stuff like that. So uh, anyway, so Lazio, by the way, great goal by Immobile, good touch, good finish. Um, and it seemed like it was just going to be the thing that gets them going. But then Lecce comes back um, with two uh, goals um, using, um, I guess you could say, crossing, um, where Lazio were unable to deal with a lot of that. Um, they, they, uh, Lecce draw even, and, you know, Lecce getting a point from this would be, you know, huge, amazing. And then... On the other point, they come back again late in the game uh, with a beautiful goal across ahead and then on the end of a foot. Uh, poor management as far as Lazio. I don't think they defended badly, but they were unable to defend at a high level when they had aerial balls into the box. And that was just uh, something that happened so quick. So so soon they get in there. Uh, Lazio do try to get things going and get at least a point out of it. Um but are unable to do say they fall short against a Lecce. Again, Lecce has given some teams problems this season. They're not a bad side, um, but it does have this feeling about it because this is classic Lazio. They drop points to a team like this, and then, then the floodgates are going to open, and it's going to be really interesting to see if they can bounce back from this or will they do the most Lazio thing ever and just just exit the Champions League race. Um so it's it's hard to say because it's it's just one performance and it was rusty. It was the first game back. There's a lot of teams that were rusty first game back, um, but it did seem like a lot to uh, lack something in the end. And uh, on the other side of things, Lecce comes through and uh, and does what they do and they get that point and uh, those three points actually they get a big win that will you know help them stay up, which is their entire objective of the season. Where Lazio uh, kind of got uh, got played. 
uh, in the second half. And I think uh, the consequences of not dealing with the, with the aerial balls into the box, I think is really, really they're going to look back on this one thinking that they, they left uh, points on the table. I mean, you did bring up a great point. The break happened at the worst possible time for them. I mean, if you look back when the whole COVID pandemic started, they paused Syria for months and Lazio were riding like red hot, just like they were going into the World Cup break. They were doing so well. They were beating everybody left and right. At that time, they were the leaders in the table. They resumed the league and then things just collapsed. And yeah, I do agree. A lot of teams right now are going to be kind of rusty for a couple weeks until they get back into that rhythm working with their club teammates. But it's just the typical thing that's going to happen right now. And in regards to how they played, yeah, Lazio came out with the first goal with Kuro Mobile doing what Kuro Mobile does, finding the back of the net. And then, of course, they get on the forefront, and then as history repeated itself, Leche got their way back in it. And the problem, I don't even know why they struggle against teams like this, where when they come out and play Inter or Roma or whoever, they do very, very well. I mean, if you're doing very well against big clubs, you should be also correlating that to the teams that might not be doing as well in the league, like Leche. But yeah, I, I have mean, a theory on that actually, if, if if you don't mind. So okay, go for when, it. When you said why Lazio doesn't perform will perform great against big matches, and then then kind of sleepwalk through smaller ones, and I don't know if it's like underestimation, which it could be. But I think Lazio's energy is playing, you know, when they go up against a big team, an important game, they play up to the competition where in a game against Lecce, in a game against Torino, Hells of Verona, Sassuolo, we could go through half the league, they don't feel as much of a sense of urgency as they would in other games. And this is, again, I think this team is probably better than, than, than Lazio, but it's kind of Dortmund a little bit because, you know, we Dortmund always in the big games are – to a certain extent, they'll get points, they'll get results, but then they'll drop they'll drop points against the, the lesser opposition, and that what that's what derails them in terms of title ambitions. Where Lazio, I think that's what derails them in terms of Champions League and stuff like that. But the re, the big reason I think they struggle is because when they know the importance of Roma game, so you can throw Roma out, but they got a good record against Inter. I mean, they beat you twice. I think three out of the last four are, are Latu victories. They've gotten points off Juventus. They, they do it against Atlanta. They do it against these big, big teams, Napoli in the past. So when it comes down to the Leicester teams, I feel like not, not un- intentionally, but I think it's a little underestimation because they don't feel as motivated. But that's just, that's just the way I would, I would perceive it, if that makes sense. But continue. Actually, that is a really great theory, and it could make sense because – when you usually play with a bigger sense of urgency against bigger clubs, but think, oh, these are the smaller teams. They're not going to give us any trouble. But then, you know, and behold, they give them trouble. But anyway, back to the thought. Um, yeah, you then Leche get back into it. Obviously, Leche is working on 
maintaining their position in the league, which currently right now they're doing a very good job at. And then Lazio is trying to maintain their top. Right now, like think they dropped out of the top four, or are they still in the top still, four? They're still technically in it, I think. I don't have internet connection in my um, I'm at my basement right now, but but I think I saw it earlier. Roma, Alanta, and Lazio are all on thirty points. I think uh, Lazio are in fourth um, on thirty points, but they're only still there because uh, you know of, of a certain victory they had against a certain great Rome club. But the only reason that they're they're still in there is because of goal difference or sorry, not goal difference, um, head-to-head advantage. But they're again they're on the the, the precipice of potentially dropping out and like i said when i spoke the fear is will this drag over to their next performance their next performance because i mean you know i mean the fourth position is open i think i think i I think that's the one that's up for grabs um i think napoli and ac milan and inter are are shooing um but i think the rest are up for for debate so that's that's one spot Will it be Juventus? Will it be Roma? Will it be uh, Lazio? Uh, so, but they, they are in fourth at the moment. But that, but by the weekend, that could not be the case. Yeah, because I'm currently checking who they take on, and they take on Empoli on Sunday. So, another middle class table of the team. So it could transpose into the next match. Yeah, but hopefully they learn to wake the heck up during these mid to these mid table and relegation sides and really start performing on a more consistent level. I mean, it would kill you though, but anyway, that's besides the point, but yeah, it's basically just a case of those who do not learn their history are doomed to repeat it. And it's continuing to show again where they do well against the big teams, but struggle against, anybody who isn't in the top part of the table. And then, of course, the history of when there's even breaks, even if it was just our usual two-week Christmas break that we get in the middle of the year because, obviously, everyone wants to to spend their time with their families. So it comes as historic that they do struggle when there's a break and their history speaks for itself when it comes to playing mediocre or lower than the teams in the league. <laughs> right. I, I mean, against Napoli, Napoli had, had done it year in, year out, year in, year out. Lazio, it, it's, it's just hot and cold. They'll have years where that they're not affected by all by that. And then they'll have years where they're really affected by that. You know, we've been witness of this. Inter obviously has been, had been um, a, a victim of this in the past. Um, but this is not the ideal start to the new – again, people are going to struggle – Teams are going to kind of start slowly because they haven't played in a while. Um, but the question I have for looking at Lazio going to the future, I think Lecce will be all right. I, I don't think there's too many things to, to take away other than a great victory for them. But for for, for uh, my question for Lazio is in the next couple months, when it's really starting to heat up, when we start to get to that that meat and potatoes of the season, are they going to be are they going to be too reliant? on Immobile's goals. And I think that's the big question that's being asked here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Lecce, just like you said, is going to do okay. But with with Lazio, is it just going to be one of the – what was the question again? Well, the question is basically, 
are they are Lazio going to be too reliant on, on Kira Mobley's ability to score goals? You know what? I think they will. I mean, Kira Mobley has always been one of their top goal scorers, and every time he plays, he's usually scoring something. Even though he did struggle that one season, that one and, that was only one season. Not to be fair, it yeah, was hilarious. But, it, it was hilarious, but that was only one season. But yeah, but still, I mean, but usually he's really consistent in keeping them on the scoring sheet, and also really consistent in making sure things don't run amish, as they say. And I think sometimes certain clubs become too reliant on players that they forget. If this player gets injured, where are the goals going to come from? So I think this is one of those situations where Lazio really need to start consider. I'm not saying fully bench him, but just okay, occasional matches start benching Kiro Mobile because that way you can work on building that cohesiveness for when either Kiro Mobile gets transferred or he decides to eventually retire. That way they already have that core system of being, hey, we can't rely on him anymore. We need to start stepping up in our own right and to find the back of the net to maintain our position within the league every season. Or else, if they don't start working on it, it they could see him finish lower and lower on the table. Obviously, I don't think they'll ever get relegated. Maybe they might, but... No, I mean, I, I, I think mean, it's they, just not... Sorry, go ahead. But they may have to start work considering benching Immobile every once in a while just so they can start building that team cohesiveness and working together to find the back of the net versus solely relying on Cure Immobile. Yeah, but if you do that, you're playing a dangerous game because you're in the Champions League um, a race with other teams that are going to want it just as bad. Because Rome is not benching Dybala. Uh, uh, Juventus isn't benching Vladovic. Now, I get what you're saying in a sense because they need to have that, but that's more of a, a uh, I guess, transfer issue where they can uh, find a replacement or find pieces that they can bring in uh, season in, season out, stuff like that. Um, I think benching him at some points makes sense against a team that they should they should glide to victory or if they have a, uh, a big match in the Conference League, stuff like that. Um, but I think they're going to rely on him a lot, and they did play well without him before. This I think they beat somebody. I think I think a bit you actually <laughs> without him uh, or somebody. It was a big team. I don't remember who it was without him. And if they can continue to play well, um, it's great. But I, I think they need to find a way where he's not the only thing that that's dangerous about them. And again, this is one game. They've been looking good all season. They could be looking great um, beyond this match. But but it definitely wasn't the the, the you know the greatest place to start. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, up next, um, we're going to go with Inter's one nil victory against the at the well at before this has been recorded. At the precipice of the top of the table, and the precipice <laughs> the top of the table, who were undefeated, Napoli. Yeah, you go first in this one. You you support the team that just won, so. You okay, first, first of all. Current thoughts, I am flipping pancakes right now. I mean, that was a really good... Obviously, there was a, there were pros and cons of this match. 
first, one of the pros that I noticed from Inter is that they were really aggressive on staying on top of the ball throughout the whole match and taking his free chances as frequently as possible. But the downside of that was they had a hard time converting on those opportunities. We were very wasteful. DeMarco missed. Oh my God. Oh, I would have. That, that, that. Oh God. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> that was awful. It was I mean, really bad. That's was, like Lukaku against Croatia. <laughs> oh, hang oh, on. Oh, oh, damn. He played well today, to be fair, but I'm just saying. I will agree, yeah, but still, Lukaku versus Croatia, that was actually a good reference, but yeah, it was really bad. Like, we wasted and squandered so many chances, but the good thing is, one, I call him our unsung hero, otherwise known as Jekko. Um, Obviously, in the beginning, when he was signed to the club, we were kind of dubious on how he would perform like with consistency when he's played there are times where he did struggle a little bit but has really come to life in this inter squad and has become one of our most important pieces there are times where he may not do much throughout the match but he's really good at with the exception of being able to really facilitate like the pace of the match and occasionally, like when we need those goals, he comes through in the clutch and gives us the point, the goals that we need to either score a victory or make a comeback. And if that was prevalent in this match, it was looking kind of bleak in the beginning with how bad we were squandering chances. Then, Dem- I think it was Demarco as uh, f- f- yeah, Dem- yeah, Demarco made up for it with the horrible miss. Perfect, been to the box and Jekko's in perfect position. Boom. Yeah, with that wonderful header, Inter score one nil, and then Napoli was trying to do their best to like get back into it, but even that they were struggling this match to, when it co- came to creating their chances and finishing on those opportunities as well. Um, but for the most part, Napoli looked horrendous. They're, yeah, they were. They gave away the ball way too easily. They also had a hard time capitalizing on those opportunities. It was just a steaming hot mess for them. But Inter, I mean, did fairly well despite having issues converting the chances and stuff. But this is definitely a good result, especially since coming back from the break. And... Hopefully, this starts giving us the momentum that we need to slowly make our way up the table. Um, do I see a title oppor- a shot in the future right now or a potential like really close title race at that point? Maybe give me one or two more matches to really see if this is not a fluke because I know how they performed in the first half of the season. They were looking terrible. But, if the- but usually when they have a win such as this, they usually take that fire and run with it. So hopefully that seems to be the case. And who knows, maybe I might get a second Scudetto. I don't know yet, but I'm still keeping everything under wraps until I see more. But this is definitely a great start (laughs) that we could have gotten after the whole entire World Cup break. Yeah, I mean, you're 11 points from the top. So I I think we shouldn't even be thinking about contending. Um, 
for me, it's always been about inter. We saw how they started the season; it was bad. I remember there was a point in the season where they had more losses than than wins. Um, yeah, that they, was lost, they lost. Their, they've lost all their big games up. And I'm not bringing this up to 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 do anything, but but before they they had lost all their big games. Udinese, when they were on fire, lost. Uh, Lanta, I don't know. Who, I, I forgot about that in the Lanta game. I don't know what happened. But then you lost. You lost to uh, Lazio. You lost to Roma. So and and the Roman one was at home without Mourinho. So that's that makes it even worse. So you all the big games that you possibly could have put in front of Inter, they lost. So the the, the whole point of this kind of going forward is I think this is a is a momentum game, but not necessarily for the Scudetto. I think this is and this might be I might be thinking way too deep into this. I think this is a Champions League momentum type of uh, a game. <laughs> Because uh, obviously you see everything that they had done prior to this, and they struggled so significantly. And here you get it right now. Napoli were horrendous. The only chance I remember from Napoli the whole game was when Cavara cut through the box with that second dribble and hit it into the corner, but side netting outside of. And you know he can just do that. That's how special he is. That he can play. He can play not well. <laughs> and still have a chance out of nothing. And that's what it was there. But outside of they did nothing. Napoli were, uh, were unenthusiastic. Victor Osman needs to be on a melt card, and he did nothing. None of their pieces that had made them so successful did well. Now, they defended pretty well, but they were still on uh, – they were in a place where, where you were in their danger area a lot. Now, they handled it pr- pretty well. I don't think they could have done anything about the cross, but they could have covered DeMarco on the left wing – much tighter because he was by himself. Now, Jekyll wasn't. Jekyll positioned himself in the right place. And obviously, I think we're seeing in this interside that that Jekyll can can be that guy as a number two. I think it's a perfect or number three even um, getting in that goal. And he's already got nine this year. I think he's done really well. I also think that Bukaku played really well. And I think there should be a rotation in terms of the strikers you use. I think Lutaro was the first guy on, this cl- on the on the sheet for sure. He should not be uh, he should not be coming off the bench that often. He should be starting, but I think they should rotate Lukaku and Jacko as potential starters. And I thought Lukaku played well. And I know people giving him a lot of crap for not have been injured and for the, the lackluster World Cup. But I think if you find a balance where where Lukaku is coming off the bench and providing quality, even if it's not the Lukaku had, who had twenty nine goals and thirty three goals. If you can get a Lukaku that gives you 15, uh, 12, 14, 13, 15, then maybe you can secure some kind of deal for him uh, for next season or whatever the case may be. But I think the way that they played this uh, situation, I think, was perfect. Uh, for Napoli's side, they were horrendous. Um, there's there's no way to make this uh, this up. And I think that, uh, um, like I said, I, this Inter matchup really well with Napoli, and Napoli don't match up well with Inter. And I think you see the result of that. Um, and we'll we'll see what else happens with all that. But I thought the Inter looked absolutely spectacular, and I think you find that balance, and you're gonna you're gonna be in this situation where you're gonna make the Champions League. You could go on a deep Champions League run as well, and then for next season, you can load up and, and do some more things. And uh, yeah, I think they overall the I mean Inter looked looked really good. I think it was an important win. It was massive, um, not for the title race because it's eleven points. Um, I think. If we're if we're talking about um, 
of of Inter winning the title, and we got to talk about the other the other two teams on the same amount of points. So you have to look at all those different factors. But I think the balance that they saw with that with the way they played, I think, was perfect. And uh, I think we'll see them steadily improve. And again, next week or the weekend, they could lose, and this could be all for nothing. But I do think that that we're I think Gonzaga has found the balance with the team, especially with Jekko, uh being sort of a part of of it, but not as as a primary. Um, but he's still outscoring a lot of uh, st- uh, strikers in this league and and, and stuff. Um, and it was again disaster for for Napoli, adulation for for Inter. And uh, the only question I have for you is: Do you think uh, they found the balance, and what does that look like to you as we go forward to the, for the rest of the season? Do I think they found the right balance? I think. Inzaghi finally found a good way to balance things out, alternating between strikers in way of being able to bring off, like, say, a Lukaku or something, and then replacing, bringing in Martinez. Obviously, do I still think this is a Martinez-centered team? Absolutely. But having a rotation of the strikers, whether it's Jekko and Lukaku, Jacko and Martinez, Lukaku and Martinez, Martinez and Jacko, whatever combination they do decide to use. It's good to have those like rotating. So that way, obviously, you're maintaining the fresh legs through each match, but you still have a way to bring in a substitute where if things aren't going according to plan, you can bring in like whichever one is currently on the bench to possibly change the pace and the tempo of the game. Um, I think that would be the best option for the, as you said, it would be the best option for them going forward because that way things don't get kind of stale and you're relying always on like two key players. And then say if one of them ends up injured, there's no real chemistry between the other ones and that could prove catastrophic. So if you're maintaining the balance between the strikers, midfielders and defense, you have a better, and they're all playing together routinely through alternations. You build that chemistry with one another. So that way, if injuries do occur, you're not screwed when you're always bringing somebody else new into the fray. So, yeah. Plus, you so, have, you have Tanalu and Mikatarian who can all both play, play, play the number nine as well in case you want to shorten things up up top or you have an injury. I mean, God forbid, I hope no one gets injured, but, but if Lukaku or, or some, or Jekko or Martinez are unavailable and you want to play with that two system, you could slide one of them underneath, or you could even Mkhitaryan and Tanala who have both played in the striker position at some point. So you have the flexibility of the bench. Now, again, I think you're missing one huge bench piece. But I think for the most part, you got a good good thing going with what you have on the bench, especially in the, those attacking positions. And this can be a Martinez-centric team without him having to score every game. So that's the beauty of it. It should still be going, going through him, but that doesn't mean that Je- that this week is a Jekyll game. Next week could be a Lukaku game. Uh, you could have a Barella game sprung in there. So it doesn't necessarily mean Martinez has to dominate every game. You know, he just has to provide substance, as he does in every match, score the goals when they come to to him. And if they work as sort of through that cohesive front, I think because of the bench options you have as well, and a lot of your – you also have midfielders. 
They can play the attacking midfield role too. So if, if you had to play Mkhitaryan or Tanalahu up top or near top, you could you could sort of formulate that as well. So I think I think no, I think you're bang on with with everything you're saying. Yeah, I know who I want for my birthday present this year, but I don't know if it'll happen based on our budget right now. Wait, who? Who are you talking about? I want Marcus Thuram for Christmas. <laughs> so you want three strikers that miss loads of chances. Cool. <laughs> uh, he, Marcus Thuram has actually been doing decent. I'm he's good. Lie. No, he's doing amazing. He's having a great season, but he's also – he should have at least six more goals than he does. That's the thing. We can get into this later, but I think – no, I think that would be an unbelievable signing. Actually, I do think you're going to sign him. That's just my belief. But I, I do think the clinical finishing issue – is something that needs to be looked at in regards, not to say not signing him, but be aware that he needs to be sharper in front of goal, just like some of your other um, attackers as well. But I mean, yeah, but ideally, if, imagine, you know, bringing him off the bench, <laughs> you know? Um, God, I mean, he's, he's in a team that he needs to be playing every single week. With Inter, he wouldn't have to, and you could bring him off the bench. He'd start games. You could play him out wide, you could play him in the middle. Um, you can play him anywhere in the attack other than this uh, camp. I don't, I don't want to think I'll put him there, but, but no, I think that would be a great signing. But again, when a lot of people are talking about this, I do want people to understand that he does miss big chances for Glogbach. And that is something that needs to be taken into account when you make that deal and how do to basically improve that. And again, he's been more clinical this year than, than last year. But it is something that still needs to be worked on. So that that's why I say he's a raw talent. But he's still got he still got the good time in the World Cup. He played well. So so yeah, definitely definitely someone to to look at for uh, for the summer. And he is expiring his contract um, at the end of the year, and he has not agreed to a new deal. And uh, we'll see what happens there. But just just wanted to say that. Up next, we have AC Milan winning two one again. Tana. Yeah, I mean, AC Milan had the worst transfer window of any Italian club. I mean, it's been really bad, but uh, their quality is still there. Um, and we've seen uh, the, a lot of their transfers come through and and have improved. And in this game, I thought uh, King Charles did really well. And again, they need to understand what he plays and what position he does not play. He played 20. He scored 21 as a striker last year. He's uh, he may have played striker this game. I don't remember, but he's not be, he's not being played in those attacking in the areas where he's most effective. And I think that's a big problem. So all this media trying to trying to call him a flop and stuff. You should AC Milan, you know, should look in the mirror because you're the reason he's not scoring these goals because you're not playing him in his actual position. However, that's the only negative thing I'll say about AC Milan because they were absolutely sensational. Raphael Leal, excellent. I mean, I think Tonali in the midfield was spectacular. I think overall they played a really dominating performance. And you, you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, they dominated. How come they only, they, how come it was only 2-1? <laughs> the reason it was 2-1 is because Silentiana's new goalkeeper, um, Ochoa, who, as we know, uh, is uh, becomes Manuel Neuer when he puts on the Mexico jersey. He seemed to have that type of energy. He made nine saves. He had a double save that was really good. One with his foot, then got up and hit it with his hands. Um, and again, when you're playing against a team that's that much more talented than you, you put, you're put in this position where you need guys to, to step up. And uh, they stepped up. They played as well as they could have. They got a goal. Um, and obviously, Ochoa, 
even though I like Luigi Sape, I think they have two great goalkeepers now, um, but he is unavailable at the moment. Um, so he steps in first game in Serie A at 35 years old, as crazy as it sounds, and absolutely put together a spectacular performance. Now, do I think this is going to carry over and over? No, I don't, because it, it's been proven that he's not that type of goalkeeper that can that can perform at that level constantly on in club level. Now, you wear the Mexico shirts; it's it's home run every day. But um, but but again, but it was a great performance debut for him, um, and I think Salentino don't need to be too worried about things. There's still like nine points from the bottom three. Um, they're doing well, um, but this was this was a game where uh, he could only do too much. And to be honest, they could have lost his four four five nil if it wasn't for the goalkeeper. So I think AC Milan dominated Lee Yao on, on the score sheet. They did really well, but again, you have to look at the other part of it where. Um, Sarantana just basically had a goalkeeper that was having a day, but AC Milan looked great. They won the game and Napoli lost. So if you're an AC Milan fan, you're you're loving it, and I wouldn't be want I wouldn't want to be the team who plays them next because we do play them next. <laughs> but but be that as it may, I think Milan looked great, and I think the goalkeeping from Salernitana was absolutely superb as well. Yeah, I agree. Like Milan did really well in this match. Obviously, Salantana is just one of those teams that isn't doing well this season. And I kind of expected that we kind of expected that from them when we did our predictions before this season got underway. But I mean, Milan, regardless of if there's a break or not, is a team that will fire on all cylinders and perform at that top-notch level we're used to seeing from them, despite them having a, I'm going to use the, a big fancy word, lackluster uh, transfer window. We were wondering, why aren't you going after a striker? Why aren't you going after a striker? And, oh, they signed a striker. Oh, no, we're going to play him in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. that's, like, yeah. that's, like, that's like signing Kareem Benzema and playing him at center back. <laughs> Or Kareem, signing Kareem's defensive, but stop playing him in the defense. Wait, that that'll be a riot. Switch everybody switches places. I mean, <laughs> in fairness, King Charles has played in the midfield, but that is not that is not his preferred position. And he's a cam, and he's played almost exclusively from CM, and is not really getting. Again, they have Giroud, but um, Giroud is great. He's he's good for a play that of this age. But he's he's thirty seven years old or something like that. He's 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 old. He's on the the back nine, as they say. There's no there's literally no explanation or no reasoning behind not playing him not one game up top like that. But anyway. But okay. yeah, but yeah, it, it they certain certain clubs like I've noticed right now are doing well after the break. But then there's the teams that aren't doing so well. But AC Milan is doing very well, like you would expect them to do against a bottom-of-the-table team. Um, Liao gets on the score sheet yet again, um, which is good for him and stuff, maintaining that momentum. But Salantana, like you said, it could have been way worse than it was. But you have a, a solid goalkeeper who basically tries to save the Titanic every single time. And it was prevalent today where they only let he let one goal in. But for the most part, he did everything he could. 
to prevent it from being way worse than it could have been. But yeah, I mean, overall, great result for Milan and just really tough luck for Salantano, who just has not been having any luck this season. Yeah, but they, they're still having more luck than everyone expected. They're still they're plenty clear from as far as the Champions League, it's not Champions League, the relegation spot. They're not going to get relegated. Everyone said they were going to get relegated, except for one, maybe two, maybe three people. I'm one of those three people. Um, and they were at, there were times where they were top 10, top 11, top 12, but it's inevitable that they were going to drop down to this. I think they're in 14th now, and they're still, they need to get back on track. There's no doubt about that, but they also are not in danger of the bottom as of yet. Now, if, that, if it drops like six points, then we can start to have that conversation. But I, I do think that they're they're having they're, they've struggled lately. They're, they haven't cut, quite got going uh, the last couple of games. But I do think that they're, they're going to be fine in the end. But I, again, as you said, AC Milan was just far too much for them. Yeah, definitely. Up next, we have Spezia versus Atalanta in a two-two draw. Okay, so listen, uh, Spezia. I know, I know, Spezia blew a two-goal lead. All right. Um, and do I care? No. Here's why. Um, Spezia, obviously, will take that all, all day long. They could have had uh, – they may have scored a third that got disallowed, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Ethan Apahu, the, 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 um, the, the, the Welsh uh, center back with the, with the, with the crazy hair um, that plays for Chelsea. The shoe-shagger um, with the crazy hair. Oh. Yeah, um, with um, – He's on. He's on Chelsea, but but he's he's been loaned to Italy last two seasons. He played for Venezia last season. Good player, very good player. And I, th- I hope he he maintains a, a, a move to Italy uh, permanently. And I, I'd like to see him play at a top ten club in in, in our league because I think he's that good. But he scores that goal, um, you know. But it got disallowed. Um, but but also um, the two goals that Spezia scored, it was it was like a one on one from midfield. That's how horrendously bad the defense was. There, the I mean, the one of them. It was, it was, um, Inzola, with about twenty yards ahead of him, where no one was around. Him. It was such a bad defensive display. And remember, we we praised Alanta earlier this season for switching the way they play. Remember, it was Alanta used to be we're gonna we're gonna score goals, we're gonna concede goals, but we're gonna score more goals than you will. And then this season, it's like we're gonna shut it down at the back, score a goal, and hold on to it. That's that's the way they played, and then all of a sudden, that's collapsing now because. The two counterattack goals, two counterattacks that were almost one on one both times, with the defense horrendously bad in terms of holding the, the offside line, allowing uh, Enzola to be onside to score that goal. And again, Alonso come back, they do well, they they get that goal in the second half, and then they get Pasalik with with some brilliance at the end to to equalize as they get they get a point each. But this is bad, and I think Alonso started that see this season so hot. And they're slowly starting to crumble um, at the bits, and I do think that they're heading towards. I wouldn't say they won't make Europe at all, but they're going to they're going to head out of. They're basically they're trending towards being out of the Champions League picture and be fighting for Europa League. And for a team that was in the Champions League, I don't know three four years in a row. Um, and again, the team has changed drastically since then. But you're looking at a, a type of team that had this sort of thing about them, and and. They had an identity, but it seems like the identity they switched from doesn't work. And the problem is they don't have the attacking pieces that they did in years prior that would allow them to, to score six and, and concede three. 
So I think all in all, I think from, from Alonso's point of view, I think they're really crumbling for Spezia. They get points. They'll take those, they'll take that point and, and take it straight to the bank. So um, they're also one of those teams that are trying not to get dropped into the bottom three. They're trying not to get relegated against a team like Alonso. That's a great point. Even if they score two, um, we'll take that in Zola with a great performance. But Alonso, this was just alarm bells all over the place because their second goal was like the 95th minute. And in Spezia, we're just at a point where where they gave their whole game to this this performance and and they just couldn't close. Not because they weren't able to, it was because the talent disparity. But the way that Alonso had played this season and continue to play this season, and now we're seeing them crumble at that very thing, I think is a big alarm. Now, I think Scaloni, their center back, is absolutely superb. I think he's one of the best defenders in the, in this league this year. But at the same time, the their defense as a whole is was horrendous. And if this doesn't change, they're going to be they're going to be going the wrong direction in this table. Yeah, I mean, it's just been. I mean, Adelantes did really well at the start of the season, getting like results and stuff. But now it's looking like things are crumbling at. The well falling apart at the seams, and I mean, Spezia gave up a two goal lead, yes, but it really more so reflects on like Atalanta because normally they wouldn't let it get to where they were having to play catch up to that extent. And if things continue where key players from Atalanta are getting transferred to other clubs, obviously, this team is going to fall further and further down the table. And it's just not going to be a good look for them, especially since we saw them, what, as you said, three to four seasons in the Champions League. But this could be a team that could even just be eventually just competing for the UEFA Conference League. And it's just not, it's just a tragic look for them in general. And so I would say the panic buttons are going off. But Spezia, great result despite only getting a point, but they'll take any points they can get and take them to the bank, as you just said. But it's just getting even more and more harder for Adelante to, to compete at the top level that we used to see from them, especially with all their key players being transferred away, such as Gozens, who came to enter. Then you had... You had, uh, I mean, you had... You had um, um, God, who was, who was it? Uh... Damn, uh, Papa Gomez obviously uh, is gone. Uh, Luis Mario is not what he was. Zabatic isn't what he was a few years ago. Then you had um, uh, the dude on Leicester. I forgot his name. Um, Castagna, gone. I mean, there's a lot of different Alanta players uh, 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 over the years, but I think it's it's a change of identity that was needed. That's what they did. But if that backfires, that's the concern I have because I think they're – there's still there's still plenty of time to be to do to to rewrite this and and do better and and be more complete and all these other things and so I don't think the, the panic button is going off yet but they're they're hovering over the button if this is if this type of football continues because if you're going to change your identity the fact is uh, agree or disagree they don't have the capacity to score four four or five goals a game against teams would you say that's fair yeah so the fact that they can't uh, score the way they do means they have to at least defend at some capacity. Now, they've, they've defended well at times, but the capacity of that style was the fact that they didn't care that they conceded goals because they had a superhuman attack that could put 
goals past anyone. Now they don't have that. Now they were, they have to rely on a few individuals to do that for them, but they just don't have the luxury to not defend at a high level. So if they're because they don't have that tact, they need to defend at a high level. I would even prefer one goal a game and defend high, high level. I think that's what they need. But so maybe there's a way to tweak this and the way to improve this on the next couple of games. But, but if they, if this, if this a strategy game plan is abandoned and they can't, they can't do it any do this style anymore. I think they'll be in big trouble. I will actually agree with you on that one. And then the last match on the agenda is Roma's one nil victory against. Oh, I've been waiting the whole entire month to say this process launch FC. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, this. Uh... Um, this wasn't uh, the um, how it says. Uh, th- th- this wasn't a great performance, but again, it's one of those Roma needed the points. Roma have Napoli and uh, Milan in the next couple of weeks. Kill me now um, <laughs> for a team that wasn't playing well before the World Cup. That's a problem. Um, my thing was just win the fucking game. That's all. I don't care how it happens. Just get the points. Um, and obviously. They're, they're trying to do as much as they can in the transfer market. They're looking at uh, upgrading the midfield as much as they possibly can. Um, but, uh, you know, they they sort of in the situation now, and they they get the points here. Uh, Pellegrini from the spot. Uh, I, I forgot. Dybala gets, wins a penalty back. Oh, that, that's the other thing. Dybala's back for Roma, and that's a huge thing because uh, they really struggled without him. Um, and now he's back uh, off of winning the World Cup. He, I thought he played very well. Um, wins the penalty. Pellegrini steps up, which I was surprised by because I thought Dybala would. Um, and, but Pellegrini, even though he's missed some penalties over the last couple of years, did did convert on it. And Roma are in front after a couple minutes. Um, again, they they created a little bit. They didn't create a lot, and they didn't do a lot. It wasn't a great performance. No one's going to be blown away by the way they attacked. Um, but I think um, – there's certainly positive you can take from this. Um, obviously, the kid in the middle, and again, by next week, I'll know how to say his name, but I'm just going to call him my uh, the, the Bosnian Roman <laughs> or something. I don't know. The, the, the teen, the, I actually don't, he might be 20. But the young kid um, today getting his first start um, uh, recently uh, d- decided to uh, to represent uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina um, over, over Swedish or over Sweden, rather. Um, you know, there was another Bosnian that came to Rome that did quite well. So, so I, I got faith in him. The, the thing I liked about him is he did not look out of place. He was a young player. He's a young player that came into this team. He'd played maybe one game this season, not, not in the league, his first start. Now is, did he look like Jamal Musiala? <laughs> no, but nobody really does. Um, but he did look, he did not look out of place. He played well. He, he, he did what he needed to do. he, he showed that he has the quality, and I'd like to see more of him when the time comes. Um, obviously, Bologna didn't do much um, until the very end where they were pushing pr- pretty hard and then um, almost get the equalizer, and then Sammy uh, Abraham's header clears clears out of the goal um, to, to basically save Roma in the 95th minute. They get the points. They got Milan next week. They cannot play like the way they did today and, and, and beat Milan in Milan. Um, so that's that's something that there maybe should be slight concern. But overall, I thought they did well defensively. They were excellent. Um, 
they didn't have to do Rui Patricio didn't have to do anything because for the most part because uh, Roma's defensive uh, you know the way they defended was was at a high level. Obviously, there's issues. Uh, again, Zaniolo has had great games. He's had poor games. He has, uh, uh, you know, it's just hit or miss. This was not a great game for him. He did some nice things, but I found, again, some of his decision-making was a little questionable, but I'm not, again, I'm not throwing him at the best or anything like that. I just think this wasn't his best game. Um, there's certain, certain Roma fans that will not um, will not uh, um, criticize him at any point for some reason. Uh, Although to be fair, I have a very hard time criticizing Zalowski and Pellegrini. So maybe you know I'm a victim of a different player, but but I, I do think we have to be honest about him. And he is our best player in terms of attack, in terms of uh, in the attacking areas. But when he gets in front of goal, it's just not the same. It, he needs to be better there. Um, I, I you know I want to continue to see him get time and improve on that and do some stuff and. And there'll be opportunities for him to have a better game. I didn't think he had a particularly great game. Um, I, thought he play, I thought he played hard. He, he, he gave a lot of effort. Um, but I, I do think um, there's a lot to take from that. And obviously, Tammy Abraham came on for him in the, uh, in the second half. And I thought he did very well. He didn't score any goals, but he gave a lot of effort. So even though Daniolo and Abraham are not playing at their best right now, I think the effort they're giving for the team is important. And that sort of, that's something that the stats can't quantify. So for, for those two to, to still be giving everything for the shirt, even in, in their, I guess, down moments, I think was, was something that we can, I can look at positively. Overall, the performance was, was all right. Um, again, I don't love winning games because of a penalty, but we'll take the points. I've got Napoli and AC Milan upcoming. Um, and it's going to be a much difficult challenge, but we'll see some more um, um, players. It looks like we'll get Genie and all them back, um, hopefully, in the next game or two. Um, our new uh, um, our new player from uh, from Bubbo Glintz, the Norwegian Hopping dude, uh, Yay, both Flahaken, will. Um, I think he will appear. He, he didn't make the, um, the the squad for for this match, but I, I I have to imagine it's only because of his his transfer was quite recent and he hasn't had enough time with the team to do things. Um, so we'll we'll get some new stuff in. We're working on bringing in a midfielder. We're um, there's certain stuff we need to for that to happen. Um, but overall, again, ugly games are important part of football. We got an ugly uh, ugly win, and I'll take it because there's two really difficult games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. Roma did really well for the most part. Struggled at points throughout the match, but maintained their composure despite some hiccups, which shows how great some of these clubs are in the league, where even if there's a a couple mistakes made throughout the match, they know how to recalibrate and get back into focus to make sure the game goes more fluid if that makes sense um they make sure like say if a a player makes a missed goal opportunity or whatever they're like okay maybe let's try more ball control or something from this distance or whatever and Roma is one of those teams that knows what to do to like make sure mistakes don't happen again in certain matches and but obviously, they score in the 95th minute, 
it was it it's bad that you it had to wait until that point, but in the end, three points is three points. Um, but yeah, overall, very well done for Roma. And for Process Lunch Meat FC, it's back to the butcher with you. But. <laughs> okay, that, right. was a- that was actually genius. I'm proud of myself for that one. Yeah. That, that was a good that was a good one. The problem is they're I think they're not in like fifteenth place. But yeah, <laughs> but still back to the butcher with you to you know go over uh what happened with the meat that things didn't come out so perfect. But yeah, it just very well done from Roma. Bologna still have a little bit of work to do, but over but they're not in by any means in any sort of danger of being relegated but they're not be in any potential to be one of the top teams. So they're just having one of their usual seasons where they sit in the middle of the table like a bum on a log. But in the end, Roma get the points and still maintain their success. And we'll see what happens this week and with all the teams that were just discussed. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quick, Juventus win um, in the 90th minute on a free kick. They hit the post that goes in. Um. Yeah. So I, I just think that uh, that Juventus they got a lot of shit going on right now with the investigation and the controversy and everybody quitting. Uh, the uh, the board of directors just uh, um, doing their thing, but are not doing their thing. Basically, leaving. Um, but I, I do think that uh, uh, this it wasn't pretty. The performance they put in. Um, it's it's funny. Adrian Rab- uh, Rabiot looks. Like he did before the World Cup, not during. I think I think that's what happens when you don't have True Maney and Antoine Griezmann next to you. They make you look a lot better than you actually are. <laughs> because if you watched him at the World Cup, you're like, oh, I, that's a type of player I'd love to sign. And then you see him flip back at Juventus, and actually, actually, no, thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, you know they they get their they get their goal. Milik of all people scoring a free kick at the end to to beat a team that is deep, deep, deep in the relegation zone. I don't think it's a good look, but they, you know, on on the other hand, uh, they keep winning. Um, they're in they're in that uh, top four spot for the moment. Um, they're going to be playing in the Europa League instead of the uh, Champions League because uh, obviously they couldn't they couldn't get, close the deal against uh, against Benfica, PSG, and uh, Maccabi Haifa um, <laughs> at least in one of the games. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, there's there's still a big question mark around Juventus late win. I think they'll take that. But I, I do think, uh, you know, it's uh, there's still plenty of reasons to be concerned. Um, but at the same time, they are still getting the points. Will they continue to get the points throughout the season? I think it's still a big question mark as far as Juventus. But yeah, that's my take on that. So just real quick, just give me give me your your thoughts on Juventus's um, performance against uh, Kerman Kr- Kr- eh, against the team in the bottom, Kermanose and uh, Kermanese. Yeah, whatever. They're going to be gone in a year. They're going to be gone by the end of the season. So I don't have to, we don't have to memorize their name for more than a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, it's still, still lackluster performance from them. Obviously, there's been a couple of matches that have been decent for them, but just very inconsistent from this Juventus team, especially after everything that's been going on with the investigation, the whole board of directory. Board of Directors buggering off um, in light of that investigation. 
people like players not performing up to the top level, having a manager who is a dinosaur. Um, but yeah, just not a great look, but still, I mean, that free kick, they find the back of the net. It's all, it's the one goal is sometimes all you need in order to win a match. And no matter how sloppy it is, and it ended up being the case where in the 90th minute, they find the back of the net. And, but for the most part, they have a lot of things that they need to work on before they can get back to anywhere where we were seeing them for, well, for me, the Pat was like four or five seasons for you. It was like nine or 10. So if there's just a lot of stuff that needs to be rebuilt and just reworked in order for them to get back to that glory. Yeah. They'll come back and they'll at some point and they'll, they'll be a force again, but but they're obviously in transition the same way a lot of these teams in the middle to the top, not the top part of the table, but the, the inconsistent top part of the table are also in transition. And uh, they'll get it back. And, and as much as I'm enjoying their downfall, I'm enjoying how not dominant they are. I'm enjoying that nobody goes to Juventus scared of them. Um, I enjoy all of that. But I think for the, for the league and its quality and all those sort of I would like to see a Juventus team that is, that ha- that can strike that fear in you, and that is that that, that isn't. I'm not saying I want them to win ten years in a row or anything like that. That won't happen again. But I'd like them to be a figure in those in these title races more than they are because they're big. They're arguably the biggest club in in, in the country. Um, so I, I would like them get to get again. I don't want them winning shit, but I want them to be competitive in the in those races because I think it's better for the league when you have you have the Milan teams rolling, you have Roma rolling, you have Juventus rolling. And then if, if uh, in Napoli, obviously, uh, doing well this year and stuff like that, I think the league is at its best when the Milan teams are, go- are good, when Roma is good, when uh, when Juventus is good, and when Napoli and Alanta is good, at least over the over the last couple of years. So I hope at some point they get back to that, that level where they're like, uh, not, I'm not saying winning the leagues, but being competitive in the title race, stuff like that. Uh, because just just from my perspective, I'm enjoying this this hilarious uh, stretch, but I think it, it's good for the league when Juventus are, are rolling. Still, don't want them to win anything, but I want them at least to think they're going to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is there anything else you want to cover? Yeah. Uh, okay, I just have actually. I'm just we're just gonna have one question since transfer window has opened its doors, um, and obviously. Uh, there's been some stuff happening in Saudi Arabia, but <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny though? Did you see the Did you see the press conference clip from from uh, yesterday? No. So Ronaldo is. Um, and by the way, I'm 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 cool with him doing what he wants. He wants to go to Saudi Arabia, and he didn't really have a lot of other offers. You know, do your do your thing. Again, I don't think I think the go debate is over. But we can talk about that another time. Um, but I don't have a problem with him doing that. But I did find funny. So Ronaldo's trying to defend him uh, his, himself as being uh, ambitious and doing the Saudi Arabia journey and et cetera, et cetera. And in his press conference, he was he was saying that's why I came to to Saudi Arabia, basically. But instead of Saudi Arabia, he actually said South Africa. Oh. <laughs> You so had a <laughs> it was so funny because he's talking about all this stuff, and then and then he's like, that, that instead of saying Saudi Arabia, he says South Africa. But I, I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, all right, so 
let's just do this. Uh, you give me – it can be a transfer. It can be something you need from your team. Um, give me five things or three to five things that you want to see from Inter Milan, um, whether it's transfers, whether it's this player doing this, whether it's that player doing that, whether it's coach doing this, um, whether it's cha- a Champions League thing. Just give me a few things that you'd like to see from your team second half of the season, and that, it can be literally anything. Well, for one, it was something that we already mentioned earlier, keeping that balance between the strikers up top, along with still maintaining the consistent rotation of the midfielders and the defense. But it's more so the striker area that was always Lukaku and Martinez, Lukaku and Martinez, or Martinez and Jekyll. But I want to see more like that balance of rotation where they're still getting playing time, but if one needs to be brought on because one of them is injured or they need fresh legs as a substitute, they do that. Um, I'll go. I'll go. How about we do one on one? I'll go one. Okay. You go one. Better. Um, here's the thing. I love Tammy Abraham. I love the energy he brings. I love the fact that he saved our asses today in in a very dramatic way. I love everything he's brought to Roma. I I love that he has come into the city, learned the language, and has been. Last season was was our best player, arguably. This season, he's struggling. Um, as much as I like Tammy Abraham, he needs to be on a mission this second half of the season. Um, Jekyll's worst season with Roma, he scored 14. Okay? So, I need Tammy to get hit 14. So, Tammy, my friend, I, I just you, all you need to do for the next this second half of the season is score 11 goals because he's at three. 10 is 13, plus 1 is, is 4. <laughs> Obviously, we know that. I would like him to, to, to be somewhere between 14 and 18 goals because if he hits if he hits that type of number, I think we can, we can fully address the elephant in the room and we can say, okay, he had a bad first half of the season, but he, he got on strong, he, he, and then he stays in Rome next season. If he is unable to do so, I think we have to have a conversation of whether or not we keep him on for, for another year. He's not untouchable anymore. He needs to get – just give me give me 15. I'll take 14, but I need 15 goals from Tammy Abraham, and I think that is one of the most important things I would like to see from this team um, uh, individually uh, second half of the season. I would say work on the more cli- – us working on the more clinical side of finishing, being able to more execute, especially in front of goal where we tend to miss a lot of setters. Um, so I would like to see a little bit more work in the way of being more clinical and more precise when it comes to the finishing opportunities. All right. Uh, th- this one goes without saying. Um, uh, we need a new midfielder. Okay. Gina Wijnaldum is coming back, so it's going to feel like a new signing because he hasn't played since the opening game of the season against the Seahorses. Um, but we need to get a midfielder. Roma, stop being, stop being a bunch of, of pansies. So Swallow wants $40 million. Pay the $40 million. I don't want to be playing uh, – I don't want to be tap dancing with, 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 with Sassuolo for the, for, for all, for, for the rest of the, the January until the summer. Um, David Ferrazzi is – and again, I'm sorry for butchering his name – has been one of the best midfielders in Serie A this season. Fact. He has said on – he said repeatedly he wants to come back to Rome because that's where he was as, as a – as a um, as a kid, his best friend or one of his closest friends in the world is Lorenzo Pellegrini. So I need I need a few things. 
Lorenzo Pellegrini needs to be ch- he needs to be calling him every single day, telling him to come, telling him to push his fucking move to Rome. Um, I don't want to have to do this in the summer. I'd like to do this now. Um, if if Sassuolo want forty million, you either pay the forty million, or you pay thirty and put one of our youngsters in the deal. I don't want to lose Christian uh, Volpato, but I'm willing to do so if it means getting to. I know they're they're also doing other deals. Who's going to reportedly is on has agreed to mer- uh, personal terms with Roma. He's on the last year's contract, so only take a small type of fee to get him across the line. That's good, but I I want my friend. I want the Roman back in Rome, and I don't want them to beat around the bush. Listen, th- there are clubs in our same level that spend way more than us. We didn't spend anything in the summer, so why don't we start spending some money, ask to swallow what they want, and as long as it's under 50, if it's 40, all right, I really don't want to pay 45. Just see what what, what their demands are and try to negotiate a deal and be be attentive about it. Don't try, don't try to tap dance or play ballerina with them. Just pay the money that they're asking for. This is a guy that can change the midfield that we have. We'll be much more explosive and we'll have much more control with him. So because of that, stop messing around, get the deal done. If it's not this deal, negotiate something for the summer and get another midfielder as, as, um, as collateral uh, in, in just until we get – to the summer if we're unable to strike that deal we need to be very aggressive a new midfielder needs to be arriving in rome before the transfer window close and i'm i am deadly serious about that so please stop messing around and get it done um i would say working on getting really really talking to milan screenyard to get him to sign a contract extension they already gave Inter has just recently gave their final offer for his contract extension. And so the ball is currently in his court. And unfortunately, so far he hasn't budged. So if they don't work on really need you and making that plea, he could be out the door. And also I'll just give my four since I'm on the topic. We'll start looking at, uh, even though I know we ain't signing nobody in this transfer window, start making a list of defenders who you could possibly bring in, especially with the threat of both Skringer and possibly DeVry leaving. Um, so just start working on that short list of defenders or the people that you know you will want to go after just in case that happens. Uh, fair enough. If you want Matthias Vina or, or Rick Karsdorf, you're welcome to, to pay off. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but, I um, you don't just Rick, Rick Karsdorf is actually a really good, a really good uh, uh, a player, but obviously Here Mourinho and him. Keyword, uh, Rick Karsdorf. No, but, but the Mourinho and him had an exchange that's not going to be fixed. But Vina, I, I, the only reason I want to get rid of him is he's not very good and he, he makes too much money. So get him out of town. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm only joking. Um, let's see. Um, so midfield, obviously. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with, along with something you said. They need to be finishing more chances in front of the goal. Um, I'm okay with winning 1-0. I'm fine with that. A lot of people don't like that style of football. I, I want to win games. I don't care how it happens. I don't care the way it occurs. But I need I need us to be to be um, converting the chances when they come. Again, this kind of goes back to Tammy Abraham and Zaniola. Both of them have missed big chances throughout the season. We need them to to step up. We know that Dabal is going to do his thing. 
we know Pellegrini's going to do his thing in the midfield. Um, but finishing the chances in front of goal, uh, you know, it's just something that that needs to occur. There's not really two, there's no two ways about it. It just needs to happen this way, and and um, that's just the reality. If we if we if we actually deliver and, and convert our chances, then we're 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 going to be set, and we'll be much more dangerous than we are now. And I, you know, even in close games, that's important. Um, I don't want to be holding on for dear life for seventy minutes. You know, so I, I just need them to be a little sharper in front of goal. Um, Bellotti's not been good. Um, Sharoma Duff is gone. Hopefully, uh, Ola Schlabakin will come in and 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 to be more uh, clinical than those two. But but yeah, they just need to find a way to score more goals. And I don't need them to score five goals a game. I just need them to convert the chances when they sorry when they come and. Uh, and we'll, we'll be much more dangerous. And I think it puts us in, in a good space against the other teams if we're able to convert in front of goal. But, you know, it's a problem that Broma seemed to have every season. But hopefully we, it just improves. Even if you, if you of, the, of the five chances they miss a game, if they miss three, that's an improvement on, on it. So just, just more clinical finishing, of course. And then my last thing is, hey, Sooning, take the highest bidder and get the fuck out. All right. Um, let's see. Um, wait. Sorry. What's a what's a transfer? Do a transfer one too, other than the one you just mentioned. What What would you like to see being addressed in January, other than uh, Marcus Theron? Because I think it's impossible to get him done in January. What? So let me just put it this way. What do you think Inter need to do? What What should they be going after? Um, January and summer. I would say besides defensive players, maybe another midfielder or possibly if this is Handanovich's last season, possibly a reserve goalkeeper. Just so we have somebody already in the books that we know what could like, I know this is a stretch, but like hypothetically, Jan Sommer would be a good example. Someone who's kind of like a veteran, but still is kind of young and still could provide if like Onana gets injured or they need to make a rotation for something. So I would say a, a, a like a reserve goalkeeper. All right. That's fair. Um, hmm. There's there, there's a few out there. I think Jan Summers would be good, but I, I don't think he wants to be sitting behind um, Onana. Cause I think Onana over the last couple of games has been really good. So he's, he's starting most of your game. Time. Yeah. He's been great. He's been great. He's been, he had him on the mistake early, but he's he's been really uh, out of this world spectacular as of late. Um, I don't think Somer would do it just because um, I don't think he wants to sit behind anybody. He's still he's still one of I don't know top ten, top twelve goalkeepers in the world, and I don't care if he's one hundred and seven years old. He's still going to to step up um, and do something. Um, it depends on what you're looking for. I'm just gonna throw some names out here, and then I'll just I'll, I'll go to my final point. I think someone like um, Jordan Pickford from Everton, the English goalkeeper. Um, Everton are probably going to get relegated or they're going to be in that conversation. I think that could be done um, as, as a potential option. Um, there's uh, got a, um, Florian Muller, you know, the goalkeeper at uh, Stuttgart. Remember the guy who saved the Titanic in the opening week of the Bundesliga season? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one. Because he's a good goalkeeper, but he's not. I don't think he'd be that expensive. 
And I'll, I also think he would, for a team like this in the Champions League, that's going to be contending over the next couple of years, I think he would take a backseat for one of those ideas. I'm sure there's a few others. Um, the dude uh, that, that was at Bayern Munich that's, that's on loan at Monaco would be good too. I can't, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, it's, on the, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. But he would be another one. But again, he's a young goalkeeper, so maybe he would want a, a more advanced role. But those are just a few. Um, the last uh, uh, thing I would say is uh, um, make a decision on Zaniolo by the end of the season. I think that's what needs to happen. I think Zaniolo can prove himself, and I can. I also see that that um, that he could. We could. I, one way or another, there needs to be a decision. This is the, the he signs the contract. You keep to this con- the new contract, or you sell him in the summer, and and get as much as you can. I do think that uh, he is a fifty fifty thing in my book. Um, contract uh, extensions have been stalled, and it should remain stalled at least for the time being. Um, and uh, if he's willing to take a, a shorter pay cut for his contract, I'm okay with that. Uh, my only rule is he doesn't make. He doesn't make what Pellegrini makes. If he makes, if, if they give him a contract that is, is Pellegrini esque or better, I'm, I'm going to be pissed because he doesn't deserve Pellegrini money. Now, there, there are people who have been somewhat critical of Pellegrini this season. I still think he's been very, very good, um, but he's the captain of this team, he's the leader of this team. Um, I think he's one of the best midfielders in this league. That's just me. You may think otherwise, but, but I do think that he's one, of the, he's one of the elite players in this league. So Zaniolo is inconsistent. He's hot and cold. His hot isn't uh, is unbelievable. His cold is really, really badly, annoyingly obvious. Um, so, one way or another, make a decision on Zaniolo, and uh, and uh, one way or the other. So, you either send give him a contract in the season if you think he deserves it, if he genuinely deserves it, or uh, go for someone else. There's a lot of players in his position that would be available for a, a reasonable price. So, so those, those are sort of my, my uh, what, what I think uh, for, uh, for the season. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. As we all know, last we lost the all-time greats, Pele at the age of 82, to complications from cancer. So we just want to put our, thoughts and prayers to not only his family but the heart of brazil as well just know he was an icon he was the king and now mm-hmm. he's immortal up in heaven with- and 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 one more thing if you truly want to respect him do not change your all-time list because this is maybe it shouldn't bother me it does bother me if someone died and you changed and you change where he has him all time you're a punk so just if you truly want to respect Pele, have wherever he is on your all-time list, he should say exactly where he is. If Pele was alive, he would want you to keep you keep him in your list as it as as it stands. He would be angry at you if you're not he's not number one. But your your list should remain the same. And as you remember, I said this about Maradona too. Don't start changing your list because somebody died. I think we can respect the greatness of Pele without changing a total perspective on, on amazing things. And, and one of the all-time greats, the greatest international player ever, uh, three World Cups, um, and obviously a whole bunch of goals as well. 
of our thoughts and prayers are with the family and the whole of Brazil during this time. And with that being said, we will all see you all on the next one.